This is the Beginner's Guide to Human Design. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast makes understanding your human design chart super simple and easy. Have you ever looked at your chart and seen all those shapes, lines, arrows, and numbers and gotten lost in the descriptions? Me too. After countless hours of practice and study, I'm here to break it down for you. Now let's get into today's episode. Today, I am sharing my story. I'm sharing my health journey specifically and how I went from having a full life of constant health problems from day one to having like 90% health improvement after living according to my human design chart. So, This is vulnerable, this is very personal, and I hope that it helps somebody today. But before I get into the whole story, let's do the review of the week. And this week, it's from Apple Podcasts. This is a five-star review, and it's titled, Yeehaw, Join the Energy Ride, Y'all. Oh my gosh. First of all, I have to say there are at least 50 emojis in here, and this is hilarious. I can't even believe what I'm looking at. But I'm going to skip all the emojis and just read it. All the juicy details you could ever want about human design is this whole podcast. Also, so grateful for her free offerings on Instagram Live, learning about your manifesting style this week. Madeline is a wonderful teacher who's a great example of what living your design can truly be, and her enthusiasm shines through so bright. I need to wear sunglasses while listening. This podcast has been so insightful that it's informing me on how my business partners structure our roles, and it's working. I'm a mental projector, and my partners, who themselves are married, are a generator and a manifesting generator. We've all been obsessed, haha. We're currently brainstorming how to incorporate human design into our therapeutic massage practice to better help our clients. This pod has changed my life in such a short time, it's magical. I'm so lit up by this podcast that I recently decided to become a human design reader and fully step into my projector role as a guide. Thank you so much for sharing your light, Madeline. You are a gift and an inspiration. All right. I did not read that before getting on here, and I just got like so many jitters. That is so incredible. Oh my goodness. I love hearing when people are applying their human design chart to their business or their life, or they're literally taking it and making a change, making a shift. That's amazing. So if that was your review, you can reach out to me over on Instagram and I will either send you a recording of your life theme, or I will answer a deep, in-depth, personalized human design question about your chart. So Thank you again. And anybody else who wants to join in on the review of the week and you want to enter to win the prize each week, all you need to do is go and write a review on Apple Podcasts and then you're entered into the drawing forever. Now let's get into my health story. So this was inspired by my students inside my course called Manifest with Madeline. This is a course that I teach where you learn how to manifest according to your human design chart and how to remove blockages and conditioning from um, holding you back from being able to live according to your design through things like breathwork and tapping. And some of my students have asked me questions about my health journey and really what happened to me when I started living according to my design. 
And it prompted me to want to share my story more publicly. So I've shared little blips here and there. You guys probably have heard me talk about how I've had health problems in the past and now I don't struggle so much. But I think hearing the whole thing can be quite an impact and really give more of an example. And I don't have any notes. I don't have any plan. I'm just going to kind of go off the cuff. And if it goes on really, really long, then maybe we'll even split this into two episodes. But I want to preface this by saying that I'm a very open person. I'm not very private. I don't have many secrets and I'm not shy. But there are certain aspects of my past that I'm not going to be sharing because they are too personal and too private and I'm just not ready for the world to to know. And maybe I'll never be ready and that's okay. So I'm saying that because this is not the entire truth. This is not the entire story. It's It's most of it. But there are some pretty intense things that I experienced and I went through that, uh, did impact this that I won't be sharing, but the rest I will. So let's go back to the very beginning when I was just a little girl. And when I was starting to learn to speak, the first sentence that I ever said out loud was, my knees hurt. So I clearly had joint pain as a very, very little child, as a baby. My knees were in pain, and I remember that feeling of having aching knees as a little girl. And I remember having debilitating stomach pain, and I was so grumpy, and I had incredibly intense mood swings and you know, negative thinking as a child. I always felt like I was swinging from being super unhappy to being really, really loud and boisterous and energized and happy. And it was just um, like quite a roller coaster for me as a little girl. And when I got a little older, like, you know, toddler and elementary school age, I would have this thing happen to me on a regular basis, maybe once a month, maybe more than that, where I would get such intense stomach pain and belly pain that I would be on the floor crying, sobbing, clutching my belly, and oftentimes I would have intense vomiting, and it would be so violent and so bad that my parents would almost call 911 or almost rush me to the emergency room. But then all of a sudden it would just go away. Like it would usually last maybe one to five hours and then it would just be completely gone and I would be totally fine. So this happened for years and it would happen at school. It would happen in the middle of the night. And then it progressed into more like spontaneous vomiting or fainting where in school I would actually have to get up and run to the bathroom or run to the trash can and just throw up out of nowhere. And my teachers would accuse me of being bulimic, which didn't make any sense to me because what kind of bulimic person spontaneously jumps up in the middle of math class and runs to the trash to throw up? That happened to me many times. Or what kind of person just faints in the middle of class? There was multiple times where the school would have to call 911 and the paramedics would come and have to wake me up with smelling salts because I had fainted. Or eventually I would just wake up on my own. And of course, 
nobody could explain to me what was going on. And if we would go to the doctor, the doctor would tell me that I'm making it up or that I'm being dramatic. Now, backing up a little bit, I was also extremely small. I looked like I was about half of my age. And for example, when I was in third grade, I joined the orchestra at school and I was going to play the violin and I had to get a violin that was for a toddler size because I was so small. Or around that same age, third or fourth grade, at the restaurant, they would offer me a high chair because they thought that I was like four. And I really was that small. I was way shorter than everybody, like at least a foot shorter. And I was very like puffy and looked like I had baby fat all over. I wasn't a really fat child. I just was, I looked like a baby. And my mom had to pretty much force the doctors to figure out what was wrong with me. For years, I didn't grow and they didn't say anything. They didn't mind. They didn't think there was an issue, but there clearly was a problem. So eventually, I finally got testing done and discovered that I had growth hormone deficiency. So I wasn't going to be growing anymore. So I went on growth hormone injections and that was horrible for me. I have a major issue with needles, with blood. I do not like going into the doctor. I don't like medical facilities. It feels very traumatic to me whenever I step into a doctor's office. I don't know what that's from. I don't know if it's because of my experiences or if it's because of a past life or programming or what, but I have a visceral reaction where I start to panic and I start to um, like get nauseous and queasy and dizzy and sick when I'm in a medical facility. So that was very difficult for me. But luckily, from the growth hormone injections, I did end up growing to a normal height. And now I am almost five foot two, which is great. But nobody would ever look into why I had growth hormone deficiency and what is the deal with that. It didn't seem important to any doctors. They didn't think that that was a good question to be asking, and it's always been a mystery until I spent the last 12 years learning about health. In high school, I became sick of having all my health problems. I was tired of fainting. I was tired of throwing up all the time. I was tired of looking soft and puffy and squishy all over. Again, I wasn't obese, but I was a dancer. I grew up in ballet. I grew up doing lots of different styles of dance and doing aerial circus arts, and I never looked the part. I never looked lean. I never had muscle tone. I was always just kind of lumpy and squishy, and it really bothered me, and it sent me into having eating disorder tendencies. Now, I'm not going to identify with having an eating disorder or not because That's not the point and that's not useful for me, but I did all kinds of drastic things to try and lose weight like most teenage girls have probably experienced at least at one time. I didn't ever have full-blown anorexia or anything like that, but I had an enormous amount of shame about my body because my body would not respond to me living a healthy lifestyle or doing exercise or doing anything to help it look and feel better. I just continued to have spontaneous vomiting, spontaneous fainting, and bad moods and skin rashes all over my body and severe 
severe PMS and other kinds of mood disorders. So at the last year or so of high school, I started to change my diet. I learned about gluten. I learned about sugar and dairy and corn and some of the issues with those types of foods. And this was in 2007 or 2008. And it was not popular to be gluten-free. Like there was no gluten-free aisle at the store. I didn't know anybody else who was gluten-free. It was not like it is now. There definitely wasn't gluten-free at the restaurant or anything like that. Most people that I spoke to had never even heard of gluten. And it for sure wasn't normal to avoid dairy or to avoid corn or even sugar at that time. So I was really alone. Luckily, I had a friend who was kind of doing it with me as well, but I still felt very alone. And it took me literally a full year to get off of gluten, corn, dairy, and sugar. And I didn't even realize that sugar is more than just white sugar. I didn't know that honey or agave counted as sugar. So I was still eating loads of those kinds of sweeteners, but I was trying to get off of like white sugar and brown sugar that you use in baking. And I learned later on in my career in nutrition that just cutting out those types of foods almost never works just with willpower because those are technically addictive substances. They're very, very similar to the way that you get addicted to cocaine or heroin or other types of drugs. Actually, dairy and gluten have those properties and sugar. Not exactly the same ones, but very similar effect in your brain. And so it's no surprise that it took me more than a year to get off of all of that. And it wasn't until I started implementing some brain amino acids or things like GABA or glutamine, different types of amino acids that help your brain to feel fulfilled instead of getting that fulfillment from those specific foods. And from learning about those amino acids, that really sent me into um, being more interested in nutrition. So I eventually went to college to be a dancer And I was off of all of those foods by then, but I moved to Seattle after high school and I was majoring in dance and I was off of, you know, the processed foods, the sugar, the gluten and the dairy and all of that, but I continued to feel awful. The one benefit I got was that I wasn't throwing up as much and also the fainting had gone away. So that was a big deal, but I still had joint pain. I still had skin rashes. I was gaining weight and I felt horrible and I had awful energy. And I made it through my freshman year and I was dancing all day, every day at school. It was a lot of physical activity and I was miserable. And I have to say, I looked terrible too. I just, I looked so puffy and I looked like really uncomfortable. You know, when you look at someone and you're like, wow, it looks uncomfortable to be you. That's what I looked like. And after that first year, I remember talking on the phone with my mom and I was telling her, oh, I just am really dreading starting school next year. Like I'm not looking forward to it at all. And she said, well, why don't you just not go? And I was like, what? What do you mean not go? She's like, why don't you just drop out? Why are you going to go to, why are you going to continue if you're not looking forward to it? And I had never considered in my entire life something like that. It had never occurred to me to not be a dancer. I had been dancing my whole life, 
more than I had gone to school. And it just never occurred to me that I wouldn't continue dancing. And when she said that, I was like, wow, that's like a fantasy. It's a fantasy of mine to not go back to dance class. So right then, while I was on the phone, I was walking to the grocery store and I spun around and I walked to the school instead and I walked right into the admissions office and I dropped out. Technically, I postponed for a year just in case, but I really dropped out energetically. And right then I decided I'm not going back. And instead, I just took a year and I worked. I worked at a salon. I worked at a clothing store. I dabbled a little bit in some dancing socially, and it just, it wasn't for me at the time. So I really let go of the dancing. And I came back home to Minneapolis about a year later, and I started working in fitness again. I had actually begun my fitness career at the age of 14. I started teaching weightlifting classes when I was 14 years old, and then I taught a number of other fitness classes because my mom owned a fitness studio. I mean, she still does. It's still where I work and where I teach now. But I I had been teaching since age 14, and then when I moved away, I wasn't teaching, and then I moved back when I was about 20 or 21, and I started teaching again. And I remember when I started teaching again, I came back, I promised myself that this was temporary and that I would not work at this studio for very long. And I promised myself that because I didn't want to work for my mom. I didn't want to work in fitness. I wanted to do something else and I just didn't know what it was. And I just decided to take this job and teach these classes temporarily while I was figuring out what I wanted to do. But it turned out that I absolutely loved it. And it felt totally different to me this time around. And I just blossomed. I went to Pilates training and started teaching classical Pilates on the reformer and on the mat. And I expanded my classes and I was teaching a lot and I was helping run the entire business. And that's really where my career went. And Soon after that, I went to a nutrition training because I had already been studying nutrition for my own health. I had been learning everything that I could about my own health to try and fix my issues. I was eating so clean. I was only eating like 100% grass-fed beef and all organic. I was eating tons and tons of vegetables and healthy fats and salads, and I was doing detoxes, and I was doing you know saunas and ion cleanse foot baths. I was doing coffee enemas and colonics and parasite cleanses and heavy metal detoxing. I was doing so much. My nutrition was literally a full-time job for myself. It was a lot. And you would think like, wow, you must have been so healthy. You must have felt so good. You must have looked so good. And the answer is no, no. My health continued to get worse, worse. And I was so unhappy. I felt so awful. I hated teaching my classes because I didn't want anybody to look at me and wonder, Who is she to be teaching an exercise class when she looks that bad? That's really how I felt about myself. I loved the fitness, but I hated the shame that I had around my body because I was trying so hard, so hard, and I was only getting worse. And I just was miserable. I was deeply, deeply, deeply unhappy. I couldn't even be 
around anybody because I was so unpleasant of a person and I was frowning all the time and I was crying all the time in private and I was just plain miserable. So my mom had told me many times, you should do breath work. And I would just say, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. And then nothing would really happen. And she kept saying, no, you should do breath work. You should do breath work. So finally I said, all right, where is it? How Sign me up. What is breath work? I'll go. And she's like, oh, I don't know where it is. I did it 20 years ago with this woman, Linda Starwolf. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not helpful. I mean, I don't even know where it is. So I looked up this woman, Linda Starwolf, and I looked up breath work and I found that she was still doing breath work and she was doing it out of her retreat center in North Carolina, way up in the mountains. And I'm at rock bottom. Uh, my life is pretty much about to end. Like I just felt like at any second, I'm just going to drop dead because of misery. Like I'm going to die of being unhappy. I didn't necessarily feel suicidal, but I felt like I'm on my deathbed in misery and my health is so bad. I can barely show up in life. So I called up this place to do breath work and I didn't even really look into it. I didn't really know what it was. I didn't care. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew I need to get better and I need help right now. So I signed up for this month-long retreat and I went, I showed up not knowing anything. And as soon as the breath works began, actually before they began, I was sobbing. I cried for 11 straight days. No joke, no exaggeration, because I had so much grief stuck in my body. I had so much rage, so much anger, and I didn't even know what it was about. I wasn't crying because of a circumstance or because of something. I just couldn't stop releasing tears and rage and anger the whole first 11 days. And we had done maybe one or two breathworks within that time. It's not like we were doing breathwork every day. There's a lot of processing that can go on around breathwork. So one breathwork in that retreat would last like four or five days of processing. And um, I came out of that month a new person, a new woman. I felt so much lighter I had released so much energy, so much trauma from my body, and I came home and my clients and, and people that came to my classes at the studio would look at me and they would be like, wow, you've changed. Like, you look different. And I felt different. I felt literally like a new woman. I had so much clarity. I was so much lighter, so much happier. And my health began to improve a little bit. I began to get clearer on what's important for me, what's not important for me, and what direction to go. And that was really wonderful, but I still had to put like 150% effort into my health. It was literally a full-time job. So I continued to do breath work. I started to become a breath work facilitator and I was offering breath works, but I was also doing it on my own. I went back for a few more of those types of retreats or long um, events to do my own healing. And that really was the start of my spiritual healing journey. And I would say that doing breath work was the first thing that I had ever experienced that actually made a significant impact on my health. But again, this was like at the age of maybe 22, 
20 to 22, something like that. So I'm 32 right now. So I spent the next decade continuing to learn about science, learning about health, fasting, parasites, you know, intermittent fasting, cold plunges, detox, and all kinds of different things. And I never really got the benefits I wanted. Like I was still kind of puffy and large. I was still very lethargic. Luckily, a lot of my skin issues had improved, like the rashes had gone away, but I was incredibly constipated and I I could not poop ever without doing an enema, which is really bad. Like that's not a life to be living where you are required to do enemas in order to poop. And I felt like I was holding on to so much and my body was screaming at me and I didn't know what it was saying and I didn't know where to turn or what to do. So fast forward through those 10 years of working with nutrition clients, working in fitness and doing all of the things that I could ever think of. And then I stumbled upon human design and wow, did my life change. Oh my gosh. It, I can't even tell you how incredible the shift was without me expecting it. So when I started applying everything that I could from my chart, suddenly my body changed. All of my clothes are were too big like multiple sizes too big. And I had to get all new clothing because everything was falling off of me. And I don't know if you want to call that weight loss or body recomposition. I don't really care what it is, but suddenly I'm the leanest that I've ever been in my whole life. And I feel the best. And, and this is the coolest part. I put in way less effort. I hardly think about what I'm eating. I take significantly fewer supplements. I rarely do detoxes. I don't exercise nearly as much as I used to. And I just live my life. And all of a sudden, my body has improved so much. I have zero stomach pain almost ever, maybe once or twice a year. My joint pain has significantly improved. Oh my goodness, has it improved. What else? I can eat, uh, I don't even know how to say this. I used to have to time my eating so carefully. If I ever had to do anything, I wouldn't eat. Like if I had to teach a fitness class or if I was going to work out or do a presentation or go to a dance class or do a dance performance or anything that takes focus and effort, I wouldn't eat. Even if that means I can't eat all day long because otherwise I would be really, really bloated and have stomach pain. Now I can eat like any time I want. It's really fun. I feel like a teenage boy. I tell my husband this all the time. I'm like, oh my God, I have the appetite of a teenage boy. I eat so much food now. I'm still not used to it. And I just keep feeling like I'm shrinking or toning up. 
and I can eat like right before I'm going to do a dance performance or right before I'm going to teach a class. And I don't know if that's wise or not, but it's fine. Like it doesn't really affect me. I just feel fine with it. And speaking of dancing, I've been able to start up dancing again. So I'm doing ballroom dancing now because I actually have some energy and I actually have some ability to use my body consistently and rely on myself to show up. So this episode is already getting to be like a half an hour long. So I'm going to stop here and next week I'll be sharing exactly what I did to get in line with my chart and then what happened to my health. So you can stay tuned for that. It's absolutely fascinating and I cannot wait to share. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for sharing these episodes each week with your friends and thank you for rating and reviewing the show. I love you and I will catch you all in a week for part two. 